Greetings everyone, this is V, aka Learning English once again. I appreciate you all for listening, it's wonderful, it's awesome, and I get the liberty of adding more things to the story and writing in real time. So you get to actually be in the writing seat with me. And for all who are listening, I wanted to comment and say that just the story in itself is a, a blessing and an honor for me to share such things with you. And I'm just happy because I was fired up yesterday and I'm always fired up, but I always want to have this sense of, you know, respect and understanding that this story is changing. It's a never ending story. So I get the liberty of adding more things to it. And with that being said, the first book was sun done so long ago that I didn't even understand the magnitude of what I was doing. And now I do. And now I'm even more excited because I get to add more to it. So you have these different characters in here. You have Oleander, you have the Onyx, you have the ones that live in the trees. You even have meteorites that live in the, what would you call, proverbial space. But then coming down, and it happens where they all intersect, almost like a spider web, in most instances, of doing certain things. And so this one in particular, I have Onyx uh, coming back in this, and I call this one Onyx Sublime. And basically, like I described him before, was him being like this proverbial firefighter. And I wanted this clear juxtaposition of two different characters, one being him and then the other being Oleander, one being night and the other being day. And this one, he goes through the mental processes of what it is to be what he is. And everyone in the story and everyone that he inevitably touches looks at him as if he's crazy because he is the one going in the opposite direction while everyone is going away from danger. Now, proverbially, you can have a fire and he's going towards the direction of the fire. You can have a fight and he's going towards the direction of the fight. Later on, I craft Oleander to have this sense of magnitude that he still affects the story, but then have other characters who kind of put out those fires and Onyx is one of those and you could actually hear it so this is Onyx of Blonde and it says yelling arguing misinterpretations Onyx spent his first encounters with refugee delegates and so basically from the first introduction to this introduction I have Onyx meeting up with other people who were like him putting out fires and them understanding language in the entirety of the story no one understanding what's going on so you can have them doing figuring out how to walk read understand language understand everything in 
him and all the other characters are piecing together this all at once. And so even if it's a congregation, a mass congregation of people, they're all going around. They're all handling this, handling this in a multifaceted way. And I love that because then you get the understanding of how chaotic a scene could truly actually be. And so he found these two different types of people and I described them. And it says, uh, whose child belonged to whom, judging by intuition. So they're figuring out who and the children and how they belong to one another. And it says, many trusted his beard. He knew more feared. How could I tell her she belongs to you? She is your own Manfred. Listen to you, your voice crackling. And so this instance is where someone is trying to figure out who is married to someone or whose child belongs to someone. And how can you tell someone that this is an instant in a sense of judgment when all of these people are trying to figure out their memories in the beginning to begin with? And it's almost as if uh, almost biblical like, but I never akin anything to biblical. I never wanted to even be involved with religion. I just wanted to paint this picture of how can you make certain things of judgment of right and wrong in a day when there is no right and wrong. There is no written word. There is no, no books, no CDs, no hieroglyphs, nothing recounting of the past. And that's initially where the story begins. Now, what's happening is that they have Onyx sitting there and these other delegates who everyone has deemed as makeshift leaders. And that's just because he's gone into the fire and he saved people. And then people have saw that and witnessed it. But then he's making these wise judgments. Okay, well, this is that person's wife, or that is that person's son or daughter. That is this, and, and he goes on and sees the culmination and the process of it. And that's where really? this one and the story begins. And... This basically is the argument of if this woman belongs to this man and, and he can instinctively understand if someone is lying or not. And so it says, listen to your voice crackling. An angry, angry suitor with ragged teeth went on rambling, war scarring self, himself to sanctuary. Does she love you? Onyx boasted chest outright standing. What is? Then on to the next case, his delegates commenced to scrambling. A tall, skinny man Floyd with wild eyes had offered much-needed help. And so that's a description of another character that stood there. And now that I'm reading this, I want to add on more to it later of these characters that surrounded him and helped him delegate. And it's an interesting and almost funny-like fashion, the way that I ended that one, where if someone didn't even know love, then he didn't even know that that woman belonged to him. And then there was a woman on this council as well, and she was an elder. And all these people found him making these decisions and saving these people. And it says that Ansa fought off bandits twice her size. Who knew what they wanted with these wanted fimulas? Deep down, she fought for the children. Onyx respected her more or less her decision to compact him upon introductions. Precisions, precious indignation. Confused tongues lost in translation, Onyx hoped to accomplish riveting tasks, conjecturally setting disputes. If not civilly, there was always the physical touch of prestige that left only one brush dipped in blood. 
Onyx, aware of genius, took to combat like God's glove, moving Clutter back into the mud. For some reason, everyone, the Fimulas, the Manfreds, wanted him to save them from the silver-haired one. And there you go, there was another description of Oleander itself. And vexatious turtle doves, Onyx could feel the presence of many compar comparable to his own strength. Intelligence was a pie slice for debate. And so all of these different people are coming to him and it's almost as if it's a refugee camp and they're all piecing together what it is that's going on but in an almost order fashion versus the chaotic fashion of just yelling over one another and then trusting his own judgment and I, I even put this in here it says Onyx found men for his toying with grief and smashed bodies beaten by destiny's feet he lifted them with Trafagor's reach luck seep down back for view for some others he was too late to salvage their eyes were dead from the inside rocking themselves into the flames the forever midnight the time god season his effort drove the impossible slaves of congress many joined efforts while others fled for ominous intent was the derivation of wretchedness wicked black flames that could not be put out put to rest the flames were alive and so that's the description of the meteorite. And this is a long, 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 long description of all the things that I wanted to have. And it almost repeats, and it does it, of the, the meteorites that were battling Oleander. And basically in the character and the analysis, I have it become more complex because initially it's simple. Right? Everyone forgets their memories. Everyone begins to initially piece together what it is that they want in life. Okay, so I want to know my name, or I want to know where I came from. I want to know that this, what it is that I call my product or this fruit is mine. And this person is claiming that it's theirs too. So how do we decide this? We'll split it in half, and the person who has the most or is the most upset about it, then inevitably it is theirs. And that's initially on the wisdom tip. And Onyx is very wise and, and of a genius caliber to piece together these things. And the people who sit on his council with him, this woman and the skinny man, one, the skinny man is stoic. He's quiet, but he has this discernment of understanding that someone is lying or not or, or if someone is truthful and they don't even know all the facts and then the woman she understands emotions on a whole different other level so these are like extensions of onyx that if someone comes emotionally and then they even don't know all the facts then still too that there is some factual and there is some substance to what they are saying and that's why they sit on this council together now, all the while, in Celestial, all of these things are happening. All the bandits are outside surrounding them. All of Oleander and all of his mad tyranny is going on, ripping up the countryside. It's insane. And so those are the things that I wanted to comment on this one as far as the origins of this one in particular. This one, I enjoyed. It was a long time ago, even with the typos and everything that I put in here back in like 2014 and 2015, I had a comment, and this is not even an eight 
or Ode to Falling Stars, this one is Onyx Sublime. And so before there, I had um, many other different instances and what would you call renditions, but I wanted to once again describe a juxtaposition of one character in different facets. If you know you wake up and you once again have this nature and nurture argument, who are you at your core? Is it the culmination of the people around you that have made you who you are, or is it something else that made you special and who you are? If you saw someone hurt, if you saw someone on the floor bleeding, would you initially just step over them, take a photo, call someone else, and say that it's not your problem? Or would you not even care and just go pick them up with your hands, not worried about being sick, not worried about anything else? What would you do? And initially, I know most answers for this. And it's not just to say that if one does this, they're better, and if they don't do that, they are less. It's just a simple question. And I know my answers in most instances, and that was the reason why I wrote it in the first place, because I wanted to test myself. I wanted to push myself in the understanding of who others were, even if I knew initially at their core what they would do, even throwing in a gambit of forgetting their memories, forgetting everything, what would they still do? Would it be instinctive or would it be something else? So that's initially where I'm at, and I appreciate it. Appreciate everything. There's something else that I wanted to add to this as the segment, and I wanted it to, and I will comment on it in the next installment, because it's, it's kind of important in this day and age, and the reason why I wrote it back in 2014 and 2015, and I wanted it to be of note that there were so many things going on in this just one segment alone. And so with that being said, I'll bring it up again. Now, there's so many things going on and I tried to get it all in one shot and I'm glad I got the opportunity of looking at the end of this segment because basically in Onyx Sublime, he's basically sitting down and if you read this in my audiobook, excuse me, listen to the audiobook, and you listen to the rendition of what I'm saying, and besides me with the uhs and ah, you get to hear what initially is happening in between the lines. So you have Onyx sitting down in a council. And so he's sitting next to this skinny man, and he's sitting next to this elder woman, and they're figuring out and sorting through all of these issues that the Manfreds and Femulas bring to them. But I totally almost did not mention the last part of the series or the last part of this segment and this gentleman talking about how this woman belonged to him. Now, the egregious and ridiculousness of that statement in itself, but he was going on and commenting on how her skin color delineated that she belonged to him and that that was one of the rules before everyone forgot their memories. And Onyx takes great offense to this, and he doesn't even let the other uh, council members speak 
because this is something that he understands the magnitude of what this gentleman is implying or this Manfred is implying. There's so many other different things that are going on in this world or in Celestial that the one that he brings up and many other different things that people do bring up was a bit offensive and it was a bit telling of what could possibly happen if they had allowed him to go on with the way that he was thinking. And I'll comment and say that uh, abating the gaze of all that traveled in congruence, he saw their faces, the uncertainty. Many of the faces were believed to have been smeared by dirt. Closer in inspection revealed permanent tan gifted from the son of birth. Convincing an entire population in battle, no man for it could take them all on by chance. A shame. Promoting an exchange, the wood pusher checkmate, Zaswang. I understand what you are saying. The meteorites descended. Fire would have its revenge. Now, Zaswang was just a, a word to interject in there if you believe in slang words or something that is kind of like, oh, well, as a matter of fact, Zaswang. And that was where I put that one in there. But this gentleman. And he even goes on, and I'll go a little bit further, and he says, We are true, it's we live, we die. There is no more to it. Silence became the large encampment. Arguing ceased, but for a moment, time waited for the answer. Violence was the next play, the night still in motion. And he says, If you claim this Femula, beautiful as all, then I, as one of your leaders, will own you, for you will be on call. Night and the coming new day, I see no difference between you and her. There is no delegation needed. Foolish presumptions heated to foolishness. Time wasted. She garners the same innards as you, from what I can tell. Difference in sex. The youngest one of us can discern you that at best. We are truants. We live, we die. There is no more to it. And this was this notion, and I'm going to bring this up again. This difference of sexes, and it's been brought up again in this first book and the second book where everyone forgets their memories, right? And I keep repeating this so that it rings true and, and pings in your head as the level of importance of reference of where these beings are coming from and where they are talking about. Because if someone thinks that they are better than someone, then they innately enact those actions versus anything that spills out of their mouth, anything that happens. And from there, they culminate into a, a, a series of actions. And what they were implying was slavery, or what they were implying was the sense of ownership of another being, not even including if they were married or not. This was just something that he just said, like, oh, well, she, her skin is different. She's different. She belongs to me. And Onyx stamps that in the bud at the origin... At, for the first person to even say that, he stamps it out before it can catch on in a fire. And I say it at the end as fire would have his revenge. But that's a play on words for Oleander and the never-ending flames, which literally are flames that never go out. Something magical, something mercurial. But yes, this one goes into the, the asking of questions that so many people come up to him. And he's basically like a firefighter for the, the refugees without putting out fires. He's just putting out arguments, putting out misunderstandings. If someone doesn't understand something, 
or doesn't even have the same language, he's sitting them down at a table and looking them in their eyes and understanding and looking deep beyond their hearts and figuring out what it is that they truly want and why they are sitting before him. But this one in particular, I totally almost forgot to mention this and I'm glad I came back because it says, look at her skin, look at mine. Are you mad? Perplexed at the notion of somebody's superiority from appearance, Onyx assessed what this man for it implied. He could very well be telling the truth, yet the truth bore no weight to the current state. So even if, and then I implied it again, even if he was true, stating that because of his skin color, he was better or smarter or wiser or even entitled to said words, they didn't hold any weight to anybody that did not remember what it was that he was saying. And then the guy even says, you belong to me, a scruffy man for a graduated beyond sad. He demanded that his property join him on his quest to his behest. He would accept nothing less. Best him in battle, Onyx would rather settle this with chess. Why does she belong to you, the hero says. And then I, I, I wanted this, and I'm, I'm glad I'm reading this because I get to talk about this later on. Not of ownership but just the differences between men and women. There is no war between men and women, or man for it, or femula, but seemingly there is a misunderstanding and miscommunication between them, purposefully so, so that it makes it interestingly enough, something to, or at the end of one's life, they can genuinely say that they had fun playing with one another's emotions. But Onyx took no weight, no credence into any of this he was not playing these games he was not playing these games he was not going to go for any disrespect of any being and basically said that we have the same innards i don't even need to look at her insides to understand that she has lungs that she has teeth that she has eyes that she has muscles so by default what she looks like on the outside matters not to me and that's basically what this was implying. And Onyx is not a good person. He is just a person. He was just sifting through Celestial. If Celestial had no documents and every person that came up to him was a document of a story that had no beginning, but clearly had some point of reference or vector to where they were going and trajectory, then he was sifting through all of these things. And he became very irate and very upset at the notion that someone could actually say that they owned another person. He didn't even need the rest of his council members to come up to him and say that, oh, well, that's, that doesn't even sound right. That, that sounds curious. Should we have a, a debate about this? There was no debate. There was no sitting down. There was no going back and recounting what this person said. He immediately was dismissed at the end of the story. And at the end of this one, the fires begin to, to swell. And so Oleander begins to continue his battle with the meteorites or meteorite monsters. But that one, this one, ah, oh the survival, the leaves burned from tattered clothes, exposing more than should. The thought of his mate reassured him that he was alone before the waking, silly thoughts of the most inappropriate moments. And so he he's going through the motions of being a, a human and still understanding that he could be wrong 
in most instances, but his instinct, his intuition, his intuition is what his saving grace is. And that's why I call this one Onyx Sublime. And I just wanted to comment on that and tell you guys about the first book. If you're wondering, and if there's any other questions, just comment. Thank you for the subscriptions. Thank you so, so much for listening. I am deeply appreciative every day that I get the opportunity to share my gifts with you. This is Vernon, aka V. Thank you so, so, so much. And this is me signing off. Peace. And hit the subscribe button.